and I'm very clear that uh, Andy, who is the leader, he's a very wise leader because uh, it, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday night he said, was I free on Sunday evening? To which, of course, the honest answer was yes. Uh, and only when I committed to that, he said, yeah, do you fancy doing the talk? Um, okay. Uh, on Revelation. Ah, exactly. Some of you will know. It's not exactly the funnest book. It's pretty challenging at the best of times. Um, and so, uh, apparently, we did uh, uh, the, in chapter two, uh, it, it's the beginning of uh, John, the author of this book, writing to the seven churches of what is in, uh, now in modern-day Turkey. In fact, next, I've got the e-blinker. Hang on a minute. There we go. Is that what it's called, a blinker? Can't, clearly can't be the right word. There we go. There's a map of modern-day Turkey. Um, and those little stars are just showing uh, the churches, the seven churches that uh, John wrote to. Um, and I've been asked to talk on the church, the letter to the church at Smyrna. And I'd forgotten I've actually been there. In fact, I've actually been to Ephesus as well. Uh, so that, that was a, a reassuring nudge, I thought to myself. Or at least that's what I've told myself. We'll see by the end of the session. Um, it's a tricky passage. It's a tricky book, Revelation. Um, and uh, uh, quite honestly, you know, when I read, there's only four verses that I'm going to be uh, sharing from. Blimey, how do I interpret those? And there's lots of different ways you could interpret it. You could interpret it uh, as an academic. I'm no academic, so I'm definitely not doing that. I'm not a theologian, so I can't do that either. Um, it can be interpreted quite literally, uh, but that's a bit scary, so we're not going to do that. Uh, it's allegorical. Mm, yeah, possibly. Um, so anyway, I've just decided I'm going to read these four verses to you. Um, and then I think what I'll do is I'm just going to tease out one truth that I've taken from each of those four verses. Um, so we'll see where we go. So to the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, so this is John, angel talking to John, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came back to life. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. So whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. So a nice light-hearted passage for a Sunday evening to try and talk about. Um, and I think when I was asking God, you know, what is it that you really want me to share from this? What could I possibly get? Um, it's funny, God at the moment for me, he's quite quick and he's... As soon as I, no sooner I got the question out of my mouth, and I felt like God gave me, not maybe the answer, but certainly an answer, uh, and it was this. And by the way, there's only about eight slides, uh, and most of them are just photographs that I like, photographs that I took. Um, so what I felt God said to me, the very first thing He wanted me to bring tonight was, well, before I bring my need, I need to bring my heart. And before I lift up to God my cares, I need to lift up my arms. And you know what? We've all got needs. We've all got problems. We've all got afflictions. We've all got trials and tribulations. 
There's always something tricky going on in our life. Uh, for me, it's often around money. There never seems to be enough money. Please tell me I'm not the only one. <laughs> okay, there we go. Thanks for reassuring um, We've always got needs in life. But actually, do you know what? What God demands first is our hearts. So in that very first verse, it says, to him who is the first and last, the alpha and the omega, God demands to be first in our lives. Well, what on earth does that mean? Does that mean first in terms of my time? I've already admitted to Dan, I spend uh, typically 60 hours working in my school, and that doesn't include the evenings and the weekends or the commute. I couldn't possibly give 60 hours of my life to God. <laughs> That's just too much. Unless, of course, what I'm doing in my work is God's gift to me. Oh, yeah, it probably is, isn't it? So, strictly speaking, you know, everything I do is towards God. All of the time that I spend, I am doing to honor God. Teaching is my calling, and I love doing it. But is that still bringing my heart? Maybe uh, it's more about money. Maybe I should be giving more money to God. Maybe I should be spending more time praying. Maybe I should spend more time reading the Bible. I could guilt myself a hundred different ways. I don't think that's what God means when he says, I want your heart first. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then all these things will be added on to you. Well, what are these things? Well, Matthew 6 is one of the chapters of the Beatitudes. And I'll just read the headings because we don't have time to read them all. But um, Jesus was talking about us being salt and light, being a witness to the world. People, we shouldn't be ashamed of our gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed of our God and Jesus. Are we salt and our light in our workplace, in our homes, with our friends and our family? Uh, it talks about uh, murder. Well, who wants to admit in here that they've been guilty of murder? Well, according to the Bible, it says, if I hate someone in my heart, I've committed murder. Oops. Is the next one any easier? We've got adultery. We've got an eye for an eye. We've got love your enemies. But I hate my enemies. That's the point of having enemies. Who wants to love their enemies? It's a contradiction in terms, but I think with God, he says, yeah, but if you want to succeed in these things, give me your heart first. That's what he says. Give me your heart first, and then all these things will be added on to you. What about the next verse then? Uh, and I'm just checking you haven't got any phones out. Good, because this next picture ain't going to stay on the screen for long. Um, in fact, let me just read this next, the, the, that second verse again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Afflictions. It is one of my favorite photographs, but it is pretty shocking, isn't it? I mean, blimey, I was definitely afflicted when I allowed myself to look like that. Uh, the really bad thing about that photograph is, actually, Trish, my wife, likes it when I look like that. That's pretty disturbing, isn't it? Um, who... <laughs> What was going on in my mind? I have no idea. But anyway, there we go. I'm going to move away from that. Uh, poverty. Here's a bus. It's a double-decker bus. You might just see that's me in the middle of it. Um, I bought a bus. Why not? If you're going to buy a bus, buy a big bus. Buy a double-decker bus. Uh, in fact, it's strictly speaking, it's a Harry Potter bus that was in Harry Potter in the prison of Azkaban. Um, 
And my deputy, who's the person in the front door on the left, as you're looking at it, uh, she said to me one day, why don't we buy a bus? To which, of course, the obvious answer is, don't be stupid. We're not buying a bus. Um, why would we want a bus? And we certainly can't afford a bus. But she had a really good idea. Uh, and she said, well, we could use it as a mobile classroom. We could do some reading in it. We could do, we, there's a serving hatch, uh, so we can actually serve hot food and drinks. And the more she talked about it, the more I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do that. The only problem is, I haven't got 60 grand. I mean, uh, my school budget's about 750,000 pounds. I haven't got 60 grand to buy a bus. And no sooner had the words fallen out of my mouth, and God, irritating person that he is sometimes, sorry, God, um, said to me, yeah, but if, if it's going to be of any good, I'll provide it for you. And guess what? I've got a bus. I bought a bus. It didn't cost me a penny. Not one P. Well, strictly speaking, it did, but somebody uh, gave me the funding for it and said, I will bless you with this, and I will enable you to do that. How cool is that? So we bought ourselves a bus, and, uh, you know, that's what it looks like now. So I've got my, my school name on it on our logo. I can only show you one side because you don't want to see them all. But um, we have completely transformed that, uh, that bus. And if you watch the ITV news earlier in the week, you will have seen my kids talking about how much they like my bus. But the point that I'm making is, uh, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. You see, it's very easy to think how we haven't got anything. But actually, if God is in it, and if we have faith in God, anything is possible. I, there's no way I could have afforded a bus. But somehow, God decided, let's have a bus. Um, and the things that were called to be rich, and well, maybe actually, do you know what? Maybe it's not about our finances. Maybe it's about our lifestyles. We've just read some of those headings in the Beatitudes. But what about in Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Well, those are the sorts of things that I would really rather have than maybe some of those other practical needs. Because I do want to be salt and light. I do want to be honoring. I do want to be able to be a good witness. And God asks us, in fact, he demands of us that we put him first and seek those sort of things in our lives. Let's move on then. Uh, what about, uh, well, we, no, we did say we'd stick with money just for a minute. So are we rich? Is it about money? I don't think it is. I don't think money, we all need money. There's no point saying we don't need money. Of course we need money. But putting God first and trusting in God, I mean, I'm, I think I'm older than, well, I don't know, most of you. Um, and if there's one thing I've learned is that at the time, you never think it's God's going to come through. I can't tell you how many times I've thought, God, where are you? Why have you let me down? Why have you let me sit in this hole of despair? And yet sometimes, or somehow, God comes through. Here I am. I'm still standing. I mean, if you look at me, you wouldn't know I'd had two spine operations in the last year, would you? Or minor bowel surgery. Or had a broken wrist. You, didn't, you can't see that. At the time, I was desperate and in tears. But somehow I got through it. Uh, if any of you are in education, you'll know Ofsted is a fun experience. Uh, I had one of those in the last year as well. And then just for good measure, the health and safety executive thought, let's come and do an inspection in your school and just make sure you haven't got any rack. You must have heard about rack. So that was a fun time too. So uh, mentally and from a work point of view, I 
feel I'm in poverty. I've got no resources left. And yet, I am rich because God says he will give me everything that I need. He will give me everything that I need. What was the third one? Let's have a read of this third verse. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Because I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you'll suffer persecution for 10 days. Crikey, how do I get something fun out of this verse? Well, um, some of you will know, uh, just for a bit of fun, uh, in the last year, I decided to do a Greek GCSE. <laughs> why, why not? Why would you not do that? Um, and uh, in doing that, I, I can actually read the Bible now in its original language. And so that little phrase, for 10 days, doesn't mean for 10 days. It was an idiom, and it just means for a time, for a season. And of course, a season can be short, can be long, could be a day, could be a year, could be longer, could be shorter, but it doesn't mean for 10 days. So that's a relief. So I don't have to keep looking out for when are these 10 days of persecution going to happen. Uh, also, uh, the word persecution, that's a really bad word. It was the same Greek word used as earlier in this passage when it talks about afflictions. It just means problems in life. You know, again, it's a, almost a rhetorical question, but can you put your hand up and say you've got no problems at the moment? Has anybody got no problems? Because if you haven't got problems in your life, can you please come up here and tell me how to sort out my life? I, I, just, I just trip over problems. There's always something going wrong. I might get this part of my life in order, and then that one falls apart. So I'm going to fix this one, and then that plate smashes. I'm constantly spinning plates. Am I the only one? I'm constantly spinning plates in my life. And I think, actually, that's almost how God wants it. If my life was perfect and easy, I wouldn't need him. I wouldn't be on my knees crying out to him saying, God, why do you let me suffer these things? God tests our faith so that we can develop perseverance and put him first. If we're not learning that, then maybe we need to take some time out and just work out how can we do things differently. So, in this third verse, I, I prefer to think about, uh, there's a verse in Jeremiah. And do you mind if I just read it out to you? It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future, and then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart, and then I will be found by you. How cool is that? It's really profound. I love those verses. Um, they were instrumental in my life as a young child, uh, and I distinctly remember when my son was I think 18, and he said, I want to drink a bottle of bleach. He, well, he'd failed his A-levels, and you know, if you're 18, that's the end of the world, isn't it? Actually, he was 17. 17? Yeah, 17. You'd get that wrong. Um, and so I wrote those words on that picture, that's Wittering Beach. Uh, and I think that person in the distance is actually Trish walking on the beach, but there you go. Um, I put that, I gave that to my son Daniel, and he put it up on his wall, and to this day, he's memorized those verses. He knows them off by heart, and he knows to pull them out when he's in trouble and when times are rough. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But wait a minute, wait a minute. So this was saying, uh, yeah, but I'm going to persecute you, and, you know, the devil's going to want to put you in prison. 
Well, you see, I'd say I'm already in prison. Literally right now, I feel like I'm in prison. My body's a prison. It never seems to want to do the things I want it to do. I mean, we went for a walk across the fields today, and every step I was moaning about how uncomfortable my body was. I'm in prison financially. doesn't matter how much we earn in our family. We always seem to spend more than we earn, don't we, darling? <laughs> Not looking at anyone in particular. Um, we never seem to have enough money. We're always in debt. My school's always in debt. I can never get my books to balance in school. The law says I have to, so I just make the figures up. It's what you do. It's what we all do. Um, I'm already in prison, and I'm already being persecuted or afflicted with problems. But the challenge is, do I put God first? And I'm not sure I've got all the answers, and I don't get it right hardly any of the time, but I know that's what I'm striving to try and do. I'm trying to find the way that God wants me to put Him first and to trust in Him. Just a couple more pictures. Consider it not just ordinary joy or average joy, but consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Wow, pure joy. God, I'm not even sure I know what pure joy is when I'm in a good place, let alone when I'm in a bad place. But that's the challenge. The book of James says, consider it pure joy when you have challenge. But that's when our faith gets tested. That's when we learn God's voice. That's when we learn how to trust God. And partly because I'm just old, I've learned to hear God's voice. And there are times when, uh, well, pretty much every day, if I'm struggling with something, I can still hear God's voice. doesn't mean I get the answers to my prayers. doesn't mean my life's perfect. I've got a really important decision to make in my life, and I've been asking God what I should do about it. Do you think I've got any answers? No. Because <laughs> God kind of likes to do things in his own time, not in my time. Uh, I have put in a formal complaint about that to God. So far, I haven't got an answer. Um, so, uh, yeah, God answers things when he's ready. He knows the right time. So, I just have to trust him that if I'm not getting an answer to my prayers right now, it's because it's not the right time. And therefore, I will consider it pure joy when I'm struggling financially emotionally, relationally, whatever the issue is, whatever the issue is. Uh, and so, for those afflictions, there might be some time in a few minutes, you know, I would love to have a chance to pray with some of you, and there'll be others who would like to pray if you feel you have got a need. That need might be because you've got debt, you might have relationship difficulties, you might be angry, you might be grieving, you might have problems with your business. Do you know what? It doesn't matter what the issue is. God wants to meet with us. God has actually got the solutions to all of our problems. It's just that when we don't get the answers to them when we want, we feel like God's letting us down. But it's not true. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added on to you. Last verse. Last picture. Yeah. That's my son. How old was he, Trish? Two? Something like that. Took him to my, uh, uh, a different church. And uh, somehow he just knew he wanted to get up on stage and be on the microphone. Uh, and now he makes films for a living. So 
Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, that was the early stage of him realizing he wanted a, a film in acting or career or movie making. But um, it's the picture that I've put. You, whoever's got ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. Sometimes we like to make it really complicated and we think, why is God not talking to us? Do you know what? I think God talks to us all the time. Maybe our life is so busy we can't hear him. If you're doing all the talking and not giving God a chance to speak, then it's no wonder we can't hear from him. And like I say, I don't have the answers to all the things that I want God to talk on, but I can safely say that God is talking to me all the time. Bible, friends, uh, nature. We went for a walk, you know, and uh, I love walking in nature. And I think every single time I walk in nature, I can hear God. Couldn't tell you what he's saying, but I can feel him, and I can feel the respect that I have for the world that he's made, even if you do a good job making a mess of it. If you want to hear God, there is nothing stopping that. God is the perfect father, and he wants to speak to us at all times, and he will speak to us, and he wants to speak to us. It's just a case of do we want to hear? So, when John wrote this letter to all the church, he said, if you've got ears, then hear. God can use anyone, even a small child or a donkey, uh, according to uh, the book of Numbers. God can use all sorts of things to speak to us. So, last slide. Back to this again. Before you bring your need, can you bring your heart? Before you bring your cares, can you lift your arms? And in a minute, I'm just going to ask the band, the whole band, all two of the band, uh, to come up and just play some music. And I think I'm hoping that there'll be an opportunity for myself and maybe a few others to pray. If you've got a need, if you've got an affliction, if you feel you're in a prison, I would love the opportunity to pray for you. I don't think there should be any of us here who hasn't got a need. Please don't all come up. We're not going to get through all of you, but... Um, if you feel that you've got a need, don't leave without having somebody pray with you. Or if you think you could do with maybe bringing your heart to God first, is that where you're at? That's where I feel God's at with me at the moment. Because trust me, my, my list of needs is longer than my arm. Maybe God's a bit bored of that and says, just bring me your heart and let me deal with the other nonsense in my own time. That's kind of where I'm at. So uh, if nobody has a prayer for needs, then maybe you can just all pray for me that I can learn how to put, uh, bring my heart to God first. With that, I'm just going to pray. Uh, and then um, the band will, the both of them, will uh, lead us in a bit of music. Dear God. Thank you that you are an awesome God. Help us to be grateful for all the good things that you've done in our life. But God, can you help us to bring our heart closer to you, to want more of you, just for the sake of having you in our lives. You are an awesome God and a wonderful Father. Thank you for everything that you have done in my life so far. And God, as for my needs... If you can't meet my needs today, can you at least reassure me that you're in control, that you're a good God and that you know what you're doing? Can you help me unburden myself with my friends or people I trust so that I know, Heavenly Father, 
you are there, you hear me, and you want me. Lord, I bring you my passion, my love, my praise, my wonder, my awe, my joy, my gratitude. Bring you my fears, my doubts, my anger, my worries. But let those not overcome the quiet, still voice that you tell me that you still love me. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.